with you today. You've heard before. Others uh, hopefully will be new and ring into your spirit on today. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 said, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a shackle, a shay of fine flour shall be sold for a shackle and two shays of barley for a shackle at the uh, gate of Samaria. And this is talking about in a time of famine. And so an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord was to make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but shall not eat of it. And now there were four lepers men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here till we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. And if they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they arose at twilight, and they go into the camp of the Syrians. And they had come to the outskirts of Samaria, Syrian camp. And to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and noise of the horses and the noise of a great army. And so they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And therefore they arose and fled to twilight and they left the camp intact their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it the silver and the gold and the clothes and, and went and hid them. And they came back and they entered another tent and they carried from it uh, there also and went and hid it. And they said to one another, we are no, not doing what is right. This is the day of the good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called the gatekeepers of the city and told them. And let's drop down to verse 16. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So uh, a shay of fine flour sold for a shackle and two shays of barley for a shackle, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed an officer whose hand he leaned uh, to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate and he died just as the man of God had said who spoke when the king came down to him and so it happened just as the man of God said had spoken to the king saying two shays of barley for a shackle and a shay of fine flour for a shackle shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria amen God bless the reading of his word today I believe that we have the power to change regions. I believe that we have the power to change this region uh, by the power of God. Can somebody agree with that? We are to be the salt and the light of the world. We are a city that has been set upon a hill. Our region should be different because we are here. If the church ceased to exist after today, our community should be worse off than what it is now. But I am concerned that if the church was to close its doors in most places, it would not make an impact upon the region. Our fourth E is to engage our culture with love. 
We have to engage it. We have to go after it. We have to make an impact upon it. And at some point, in order for us to do that, we must ask ourselves questions. Is that how is this gospel that has uh, been given to us freely and given to us to worship for now some hundreds of years here in America not been a vital part of our culture any longer? And then you see other nations of the world that are experiencing a revolution where cities and regions and, and even whole nations are being saved and turned on to God. You see, when we have more religion than we have relationship with God, it leaves us powerless. And it gives us the inability to be able to move in and to walk in the things of the Spirit. And we are, not, we are able to talk about the move of God, but we're not able to produce the move of God. Now, some people say, well, you cannot produce it. Yes, you have to produce it. It is in our lives that we produce the moving of the Spirit. It is through the, uh, the obedience and the acts of, of, the, of our heart that we do that will trigger the moves and the power of God into our life, our city, our community, our region. But as a result of us not being able to produce the power of God, the manifest presence of God, we have, we have transformed our regions into something that, that never experienced a real move of God. Churches on every corner. 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the radio and the television, and America's in the mess it's in. 80% of Americans say they believe in God and our regions are not transformed. How is it that we can say that 80% of Americans say that they believe that, that in God and we're still fighting over when a baby becomes a life? How is it that we can still have prayer absent from our schools and the Ten Commandments being taken out of our government buildings. How is it that there is no change if we have so many people that believe in the God that we serve? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will direct your path. This is a problem we think we have understanding and everything is not all right because we think that we have understanding and we've learned how to lean on other things instead of leaning upon God. We've learned to lean on other things. We, we, we trust, the Bible says, trust in the Lord and lean not onto your own understanding. This word trust here is the Old Testament word for faith. We could have said it, trust in the Lord, or have faith in the Lord, and lean not to your own understanding. Putting your faith in God does not lean, you don't lean on your own understanding. When you put your trust and your faith in God, we only learn to trust God when we do the things that, that, that he asks of us when we don't understand. How many of you, your parents told you to do something you didn't understand? And when you ask a question, they say, why do that? What did they tell you? Because I said so. Right? Got two or three witnesses. Because I said so. I come to an understanding at an early age that it would be beneficial for me, my hind end just to do what dad told me to do. Right? But it would also be beneficial for me because he had my best interest at heart. And even though I come to this understanding that I don't have to understand to do what he said to do, I just need to do it because it's going to benefit me somehow. And it's true with the Lord even more. Sometimes we don't understand, but, but we don't have to understand. We just have to trust. 
Amen. We just have to trust and we must trust in God because you see when the church started many years ago and people was testifying whenever I was coming up in church and, and probably you was coming up in church they would get up and testify about God being their banker and being their doctor and being their lawyer huh? and they leaned on God in other words they were saying he's my everything I trust him with every aspect or area of my life but now we have exhausted our resources and when we, we exhaust our resources, it's only then that we turn to trust in the Lord. But every major move of God has come when people are broke. Every major move of God has come to America. It is though that American people cannot trust in the Lord when they have money in their pocket when the job is good, when the finances are good, when the nation is running well, it seems as though that, that we always, like the children of Israel, migrate back to our old ways, it, that we don't know how to thank God and trust God in times of prosperity. I believe that God takes good pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Can you say amen? But if we're going to be a nation that changes the way that, that, that we're doing things, if we're going to be a people that make an impact upon our city, our region, our nation, our world, then we have to, we have, if we're going to be nation changers, we've got to learn how to lean on God. Trust Him. Amen. We can't lean on buildings to attract people. We can't lean on, on talent to transform people. We must do what we can do. Amen. Put our best foot forward. But whenever we come to the end of ourselves and we give God our best, we, our trust is in that the Holy Spirit is going to make up the difference. We're going to do our best and what we cannot do, Holy Spirit is going to partner with us and do what we cannot do and He will save, He will heal, and He will deliver. Amen? Praise God. When you start seeing this region transform, not everyone will like it. Not everyone will like it. And... and Transformation is not, and when we're talking about spiritual things, transformation is not fought by the world. Transformation is fought by religious people. And every major move of God that comes and there is a shift, you can, you can, you don't have to take my word for it, study it out, but every major move of God, every major revival, if you will, or awakening or, or revelation is always fought by the previous generation. The previous move of God, the previous experience, the previous encounter. You see, it always comes from those people that, that are, are not, not the world because the world's looking for it. The people that are in this world and are lost, they're wanting to hear about Jesus. They're wanting to encounter Jesus. They're wanting to experience Jesus. That's not where the fight is. That's not, that's not where the, the problem is. The problem is when, when we see the transformation take place and we see that there's so much religion that's built up that people don't want to move from what they're used to. Even if it means experiencing something fresh and new in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so you can't transform a region and worry about what people think. You can't transform a region. You can't transform your own life or your own family and then worry about what other people think. You have to get free from the expectations of people. And in our text, we find a city, we find a region, if you will, that is about to be transformed by some of the most unlikely people in the world. These people were in survival mode. They had done locked themselves into the city. The famine had been lasting way longer than they had expected. The, the food had run out. Everything was dried up and parched and there was nothing left and they was in this city 
and they was hungry. You see, in this time of famine, the most dangerous people that you will ever face is people that are starving. Because people that are starving will eat anything. And we've got a starving nation that's eating at the table of anything. Amen. New age. The table of all kinds of immorality and all kinds of mess. And people are starved to death. And because there is a lack of a counter with God, they're sitting down at the table of all of these other things. And they're getting their fill on things that does not satisfy. And we see that these, these people were in survival mode. They were starving to death and they were eating whatever they could. In fact, they were eating doves dung. Right? They were, they were eating, they turned to cannibalism and said, we're going to eat our children. We'll, we'll kill your child today and eat him and tomorrow I'll kill mine and we'll eat it. This was where they were at. They were starving to death. And we have people that are starving. And they're eating from new age. They're eating from occults. They're wrapped up in religion with their worship to an unknown God. And we see it all around us today. The crisis is sometimes what God will use to reverse the direction that people are going in. And if you don't think that America is in crisis, then, then you need to get your head up out of the sand. If you don't think that there, there has to be a shift and a change in our nation and the direction that we're going, then, then there is something badly mistaken because, you see, we, God is going to take and use the crisis to lead us to start asking questions about what we're doing. Amen. Questions about beginning of what, why are we doing what we're doing, right? You gotta ask yourself the question. If you, don't, it, you see, if your, your relationship is so weak that you can't ever question it, then you don't have nothing. Amen? You don't have anything. You gotta be able to question it. Why do I do it? Why do I get up and go to church on Sunday morning? Some of them, you are the only day you've got off. Why do you come to church? Because you've been doing it for 10 years? Because your parents did it? Because your family goes? Why do you come to church on a Sunday morning? Why do you spend time praying? Why do you spend time reading the word of God throughout the week? you got to ask yourself questions. Why do I do what I'm doing? And these four leprous men were about to change a city with a question. Why are we sitting here until we die? Amen. Why sit here till we die? They started moving and the movement turned into a question. Why are we sitting here until we die? You're not going to see anything different in your life until you question what's going on in your life. When you, you don't, your, your money's not going to change until you, until you start questioning your money. Why do I not have enough? Why, why is it that, that I don't have as much this month as I did? Why? you got to question it. Am, am I spending my money wisely? Am I spending it at the right place? Am I getting return on my money? If you don't ask questions about it, then your money is always going to be funny. You got to ask questions about your family. If you don't ask questions about your family, am I going to let my husband or my wife, am I going to let them die lost without God, without praying, without questioning? Am I going to let my children continue to run down this road that they're going on of self-destruction and never give them, put a roadblock before them? You got to ask questions because if you don't ask questions, nothing's going to change. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you acting the way that you're acting? You got to ask questions. 
People are not feeding themselves uh, with the word of God. They're feeding themselves with a worldly system. And it's not just in the world, but in the church. We're running down the same track here in the, in the church as we are in the world and never bringing about change in our lives. But you see, you can't, you, you've got to ask questions about yourself. Why am I sitting here till I die? I was raised in a church that died. Once the strongest Pentecostal voice in the region. And I watched that church die without nobody asking any questions. Today, it's still sitting in the same place it has been, but it is only a part of the landmarks. It's only a part of it, and it has no voice in the region no more. Once, people revered it, people respected it, people honored it. People knew that, that that was a place you could go and hear from God and your life could be changed. And, and it had that, that power and that authority in the community, but no longer. It's no longer there. And I've seen church after church die without nobody asking a question. Churches get rid of their pastor. Someone has to stand up in the midst of the time, in the time and ask why, are nobody, why is nobody being saved in these altars? Why aren't people giving? Why aren't people tithing? Why aren't people being healed? Why aren't people being delivered? Why aren't they? Why, why, why? Somebody's got to ask some questions. Or it's always going to continually be the same as what it's always been. Because questions lead to op options. Once you question something, then you can begin to come up with options of what you can do differently. Because if you don't have the end result that you're desiring, then the truth of it is that only a fool continues to do what they're doing and expecting different results. It don't work. You've got the results that you've got because of what you're doing. So it, 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 it sums it up that if we want something different at the end of our day, if we want something if different at the end of our life, if we want something different in our church, our region, our world, we've got to do something different than what we're doing now. Right? Once you ask a question, then something begins to lead to options and the reason people live their lives in misery at work, at life, is because they don't know there's options. Amen? Have you seen people that have been in the same work environment at the same work for 20 years and they hated every day of it? Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Life's too short. have to get up every day and hate it. Amen? But they do it because they don't know there's options. Your life, people, some, many people today hate their life. But you can't have anything different unless you understand there are options. You don't have to continue to do the same thing you've been doing. Right? And so the reason that people live their life is because they never ask any questions. The question led these lepers to options. They said, we can sit here and we can die. We can go into the city and we can die. Or we can go into the, in, the enemy, into Syria, into this army, and they might have compassion on us. It might be. We don't know. We don't know. They may kill us, but if we die, we just die. <laughs> right? But if they have compassion upon us, then we're going to be changed. Our life is going to be changed. It's going to be different from here on out. Right? And so they ask questions. And we have to ask questions today. Because if we don't ask questions, what kind of church do we want to have? Are we content with what kind of church that we have. Are we able to do more? Can we really touch a region 
and impact the world? Or are we just shooting up smoke screens? Are we just living in a la-la land of, of, of hoping and, and wishing? But I believe today that if you don't ever ask a question, you're always going to have the same result. Amen. And it leads us to our options. We ask ourselves, can, we, can, we can sit here and we can die. We can enlist ourselves in the kingdom of God and we can begin to let God direct us and the trajectory of our life will be changed forever and yet it will be challenging, yet it will be difficult, but the end result is going to be different because I can't, I can't stay here anymore. I can't stand it anymore. You got to get a Popeye spirit on you. I stands all I can stands and I can't stands anymore. Something's got to change. Something's got to be different. Something's got to move because I'm not happy. I'm not content. I'm not satisfied. There is something inside of me that says there's got to be more than this. We think that God is going to be pleased if we just hold the fort till he comes. Right? Remember that old song when he was growing up, hold the fort till he comes? I refuse to sing that mess. God never called you to hold no fort. Amen. He called you to march into enemy held territory and take back everything the devil had ever stole out of your life. Amen. And we ain't about holding no fort. We're about possessing the land. He told Joshua, everywhere the heel of your foot shall tread upon. If you got faith, you can have it. Glory to God. And God never gave, never turned this world over to the devil at any time. The, wor the world, the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. So therefore, the devil don't have any right to nothing. Amen. But we think God is pleased if we just still here when he comes. Just hold on, hold the fort, and, and, and God will be pleased with that. But Jesus called that being unfaithful. Jesus told the story of the talents. You remember this? He told his talents and he said he gave to one five, he gave to one two, he gave to one one. Right. And he and the five, he took his talents, he used it and, the, and he came back and he was pleased because he doubled it. He went to the one who had two. He was looked at it. He had used his talents. He had doubled it. He was pleased and he, he called him blessed. Right. But then he comes to the one and he runs and he brings his little gift and he runs his talent with him and he's all joyful and happy and say, look here, master, you gave me a talent and you left and, and I took it and hid it and I still got it. What did Jesus do? He said, you're unfaithful. Why? Because you didn't do nothing with it to multiply it, to increase it. God's not looking for us to hold no fort, to hold on, to maintain. He's looking for us and expects us to take the gift, take the talent. It isn't about how much is in your hand. It's about what you're doing with what's in your hand. You can, it don't matter if you, you are so gifted and talented. It doesn't matter about none of that. Or if you just have a little bit. What is concerning to Jesus is what are you doing with what you've got? Are you increasing it? And Jesus came back and he said, the master came back and said, you're unfaithful. To be faithful is when you give something to someone and they multiply it. When God comes back after his church, he's not coming back after the same measure he left. He's looking for it to be multiplied. He's looking for it to be increased. He's looking for it to be greater than what it was when he left it, right? And I'm telling you today that the American church looks nothing like what Jesus left. Huh? The church he left had resurrection power. 
The church he left was binding devils, delivering the oppressed, healing the sick, setting the captive free, and going into cities and changing cities until when Paul left this earth, he said, there is nowhere that I know of that the gospel has not been preached. His known world had been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you today that if we're going to be pleasing unto the Lord when he returns, we cannot just be holding on and maintaining and holding on to what we've got. We must multiply. We must increase. We must see the kingdom of God advanced and darkness dispelled. Amen. If you still have the same as what the master gave you, then you're not being faithful. Those lepers found out they had options. And they said, let's do something about our problem. Do you know how to spell faith? I know you've heard me say it before. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You got to take a risk. Nudge your neighbor and tell him, take a risk. Faith is not a sure thing. If it was sure, it wouldn't take faith. It's a risk. It has a chance of failing. It has a chance of not working. And that's, the, that's what these lepers chose to do. They chose to risk it. They chose to say, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know what's going to happen if we stay here. If we stay in this place, we're going to die. We don't know what will take place if we leave, if we go to the city or if we go to our enemy. But one thing is for certain, we're going to die if we stay here. I know the most dangerous person in the world is a person who has nothing to lose. But whenever we, some people are broke all the time and they won't risk tithing. Some people, their lives are a mess, but they won't risk giving their life to Jesus Christ. Christ but when a person knows that there's nothing to lose they'll put it all on the line they'll go for broke they'll say it doesn't matter what the end result is I'm not going to continue to do this anymore amen the leper said we're going to risk it all because we don't have anything to lose and I like this the Bible said that in the middle of the night they started moving toward the Syrian army. <laughs> and at twilight, it's still dark at twilight. At twilight, the Syrians hear something and, and begin to believe that it is an army. So many people want to wait until everything lines up before they do anything. Huh? Even church folk. Well, I, I just want God to give me a sign. You got a sign, dummy, you're broke. <laughs> I just need to hear from God. I, I, I need to put out a fleece. It worked before. I just need God make this, you know, dew fall and it be dry. And then next day, don't let the dew fall. Let it be wet. Let this rag be wet. And I, I, yeah, that worked in the Old Testament. We've got a better covenant. Amen. We got a better covenant. Well, well, I just don't know. I just I need a sign. You need. You don't need no more sign than what you got because what you've got isn't working. So when I've got to do something different, right? And everything is in order and everything is lined up. I'll do something. No, no. You, you've got to learn how to walk in the night season of your life. You got to learn how to get up and run whenever you don't know and sure where your footing is, but you run after God. You, you go after something because you believe that there's got to be something greater than what you've got right now. Amen. And people want all the stars to line up and a bluebird to come. 
come and sing at their window and, and doves to fly over their head. No, you've got to just get up in the night season of your life and say, you know what? It may not be daylight. It may not be the best conditions. It may not everything. But there is one thing for sure. I can't stay here any longer. I've got to bust the move. I've got to do something different than what I'm doing because I'm continuing to get the same result. I like this because these lepers got up in the night season of their life and they risk it all and they said it don't matter to us what happens. If we lose our lives, so be it. But if we, one thing is for sure, when the sun comes up in the morning, our lives are going to be different than it is right now. We may die in the middle of this. We may find compassion in the middle of this. But one thing is for sure, we're not going to be left here when the sun comes up. Our lives are never going to be the same again. I say to you today, you've got to rise up and say, by God's grace, my tomorrow is going to be different than my yesterday. I'm going to lean on Him and believe Him to do something great in my life. You've got to learn how to travel in the night season of your life and don't wait for someday. Do it now. Amen. Why? Because God used the darkness to the leper's advantage. Could you imagine them walking in the searing camp in the middle of the day? And they walked up there and said, looky here. These old crazy lepers, just get your bow and knock them off. Right? But God used the darkness. How many know the darkness has a way of messing with you? You start hearing things in the darkness. What's in that tree? <laughs> Who is that? And things look bigger in the darkness. The shadow is bigger in the darkness than it is in the light. You don't know what's coming. You don't, you don't and it looks different in the night, right? And God used that for the leper's advantage that the Syrians, when they came into the camp, they heard something and they said, we're going to get out of here because there's an army that's coming. We don't know where they're coming from. We don't. And they, the unknown worked to their advantage. The enemy will try to use the unknown against you. He will cause there to be an imagination of, of things that are so great. Amen. And the enemy is so big and he will use it against you, the unknown. But let me tell you that God will use the unknown against your enemy. That he thinks, well, he don't understand or he don't know how big or how great the things are. And God will use it for against your enemy to be able to bring you into a place of victory. God can use that darkness to, to your advantage. But you've got to get up in the dark season, the night season of your life and start moving toward what God has for you. Amen. They got up, got to the camp, and no one was there. How many times have you ever dealt with an issue, and, and in your mind you, you was hating to have to deal with this issue, and the longer you waited, the bigger your imagination got of how bad it was going to be? Huh? You don't want to deal with that person, they're ugly, and you know they're just going to be real ugly? You, you don't, you don't want to deal with a circumstance or a situation. And the longer you put it off, the more difficult and the more you dream up in your head of how great and how difficult it is going to be to deal. But, one, but, but if you find courage to go and face it, huh? You, you come most of the time, you come to an understanding it's not near as big as it was in your head. Right? But it has grown big in your mind because the enemy uses the unknown against you. But I'm telling you that God uses the unknown against your enemy. Because he doesn't know from where you're coming or how many are coming or how big it is. Amen. They got to the camp and there was no one there. Don't you know the enemy had it? Put all kinds of thoughts in their mind. Thought we we're going to go in there and we're going to be shot. We're going to be killed on the spot. 
we're going to die. But whenever they got to where they were going, no one was there. The enemy had already left the camp. Right? Already left the camp. There was nothing there. But they had nothing to lose. They found food cooked already to eat. Right? Went in the tent. Looky here. Chicken nuggets. They had clothes to wear. They got the clothes. They said, looky here, this fits me. Maybe that'll fit you. They had clothes to wear. They had something to drink. They had gold. They had silver. They had clothes. And they were enjoying it and their risk had paid off. Right? Their risk had paid off. And I want to tell you today that you will never find anything without a risk. You'll never have nothing new without faithing it, without risking it, without stepping out of your comfort zone. Because as long as you stay in your comfort zone, you will only have and maintain what you presently have. But if you're going to have something different, you've got to leave where you are. You've got to get out of what you're comfortable in and you've got to risk it. I'm telling you that God wants you to understand that, 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 that we have a greater uh, uh, assignment, we have a greater mandate upon our lives than us just maintaining, just holding the fort. But we must invade this region with the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of God must invade the earth and we must make an impact upon our city, upon our community and let this world know that we are living in our known world it is our responsibility to go and invade that territory and tell them the kingdom of God has come unto you I know you may not like it I know you may not appreciate it but we're not here to begin to ask a question if it's okay or not we're here to impose the kingdom of God upon the earth amen amen And we're not about to just go through the motions. We're not going to go through the mundane. We're going to have a harvest. Amen. We're going, what, the, 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 the trouble that I've been through, the difficulty that you've been through, the, 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 the risk that you have taken. You don't take risk without there being reward. Huh? Why you think everyone, you, not everyone, but why you think people play the stock market? That's a big risk. But it can be a reward. Right? It's Presbyterian Church. Y'all are overwhelming me with your excitement. <laughs> Amen. I got into the stock market. I got into Anderson revolving doors and charming toilet paper and got wiped out before I got turned around. You'll get that on the way home. There's got to be a reward. There's got, what is the reward? It isn't about having more money. We may need more money and that's all right. But the end reward is this. The end reward is souls. It's our sons, it's our daughters, it's our grandchildren, it's our spouses, it's our mothers and our fathers, it's our brothers, it's our sisters. It's, it's the, the reward is souls. He that wins souls is wise. Right? And so we have to understand that when we remember this, we have to remember that it's about our city being impacted. As I said last week, that we, have, that we create a culture and a climate that it's hard to go to hell from here. That people get saved. People want to know Jesus. Their lives will be changed because we are impacting our region for Jesus Christ. Amen. People are starving. People are dying. All over our community, all over our region. And they need to hear the gospel. How do they hear the gospel? Not from pulpits, not from preachers, but from your life. Your life.
is the evangelist. What kind of evangelist are you? What are you preaching on Monday morning when you walk into work? What is the life that they see? Are you changing your work environment? If you're not, you're not doing something right. You're not doing something right. And the kingdom of God is being hindered because we're not doing what we need to do to see the kingdom of God advanced in the earth. It's up to us to go into enemy-held territory and overtake this region, break the back of the enemy that has held this region hostage and run them out of this region and go give the people of this region and tell them about the favor of God, about the goodness of God. It's not good enough, enough for us to stay here and enjoy the blessing, right? It's not good enough for us just to stay here and say, oh, this is wonderful. Glory to God. Isn't God so good? They said they found out and they said it's not good for us that we should enjoy this. We've got to go tell somebody about it. If what you found is not good enough to go tell somebody about it, you got the fake. Huh? If what you've got isn't good enough to go tell somebody about it that you cannot contain it on the inside, then you didn't get the genuine. Because when you give the real gospel of the kingdom, when you give the real Jesus, when you give the real Holy Spirit, it will cause you to want to tell somebody else about the goodness of God, of what he has done for me. He's been so good, I can't tell at all, but I can tell somebody something that will cause a hunger, a spark, a flame to burn in their heart and want to serve the God that has delivered me. Amen. You see, the city's starving and dying, and we must go tell them about the spoil that we found. Amen. The Bible says that a man found a treasure in a field. And he went and sold everything he had to buy the field. Amen. This thing is going to cost you something. I'm sick of this gospel that's a blue light special. I'm sick of this gospel that's on discount. David said, don't give me nothing for free. He said, don't give me no blue light special. Don't give me no discount. Don't give me no on sale. Don't give me no goodwill. He said, no, no, forget all of that. He said, I want to pay full price for it because whenever I get done offering it unto God, only God gets the glory for it. Amen. And I'm telling you today that we put the gospel on blue light special. We trying to be all cute and all of this mess in America. But all it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your life. You're going to have to surrender your will to the will of God and say, not my will, but your will be done. I surrender all to you. Amen. Not part, not half, not three quarters. I surrender all to you, God. And when we surrender to his lordship, his will, his ways, his wants, his desires for our life, he will transform us into something more beautiful than you will ever experience on your own. It is worth the price. Because whenever you give to God everything that you are, he gives to you everything that he is. And everything he is far outweighs anything you'll ever be. Amen. You don't ever get the short end of the stick trading with God. Huh? I trade my ashes for beauty. I, turn I trade sorrow for joy. I trade mourning for dancing. <laughs> I trade sin for salvation. I trade hopelessness for hope. Huh? You never, you don't never lose trading with God. He always gives you more on purpose. Glory to God. The man took and sold everything he had and he didn't just buy the treasure, he bought the whole field. Right? This region is a treasure of souls. 
And I'm not interested in just buying the treasure. I want to buy the whole field. I want to pay full price. So that whenever we get to heaven, that God doesn't look at one life church and our leadership and you that are here and says, oh, I gave you something, but you never did nothing with it. I gave you a talent and you never used it. You never multiplied it. You never increased it. We're not here to hold on to what we've got and maintain what we've got. We're here to multiply what we got. And when we're not multiplying what we've got, we're not pleasing to the Father. We're not pleasing to the Father. So if we're not pleasing to the Father, then we've got to start asking questions. Are we going to sit here and die? Are we going to do something different? Are we going to get up from here and we're going to go into our city and pre adventure we, we're going into strange territory, we're going into places we don't know, we're doing things we've never done before, but, but we're willing to do it because we have nothing to lose. If you don't come to the end of ourselves, then we'll never hold on to believing there's more and step out into nothingness. Amen. But if you dare to step out in faith, Holy Spirit will always meet you. I mean, no, it's scary to step out in faith. But as I stepped out into faith, every time that I've ever done it, Holy Spirit's always been right there. Not until I took the step, but when I took the step. Amen. He's always there. Stand with me, please. Father, I've done my best to communicate, to relate, to articulate it, what's in my heart today to your people. I pray that it fall upon our hearts and our minds as what is in my heart today. To be able to say, God, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for everything that we've been and where we are. But God, there's more. And God, we're hungry and we desire to see the more of you. And so today, God, we may be an unlikely candidate. We may not look like, God, the, the ones that are going to be the region changers. But God, you've called us for such a time as this. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to our hearts today to rise up out of the place from where we are and march into the city and begin to make change and transformation by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for this this morning. In the name of Jesus, let us not be afraid to question where we are, who we are, what we're doing, that we may get results, that we may get change, that we may take risk, that we may walk in faith and not by sight. And we give you thanks for this today in the name of Jesus.